Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. In Scripture, it says that Stephen looked up to heaven and he saw God, and he saw Jesus standing next to his father, looking at him, which was confirmation that in this moment when Stephen is dying, he saw Jesus. And that was exactly what I needed to hear so that I could know that when whatever was happening to Molly, that she knew that he was with her. And that in an instant, from the moment she was alive to the moment she died, she was in the arms of Jesus. And and that's what I carried with me to help quiet the fears that would come up in my mind. She wasn't alone. He was with her in that moment, and she has been with him ever since that moment. Doxology Bible Church is proud to present EverStory, launching wherever you listen to podcasts on June 6th. EverStory is a weekly, seasonal podcast featuring Christ-centered stories of hope and transformation, told by people just like you. No chit-chat, just raw, powerful stories. Stories inspire us to connect with each other in real, tangible ways. With stories, we're able to glorify a God who relentlessly pursues us. Mark 16:15 tells us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Stories embody who we are as Christians. Without them, Paul's letters would have never been shared. Without stories, a person with Christ in their heart might never find the courage to bring the word to their neighbor. Without stories, the Great Commission never occurs. Check in with us often as we introduce stories about the way Jesus' radical love is moving in truly awesome ways. Find EverStory wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow Doxology Bible Church on Facebook or Instagram at Doxology Bible. Want to share your story or know someone who might? Send us an email to stories at doxology.church. Because everyone has a story. Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. Good morning. Good to see you. And work your way back to your seat if you would. It's good to see you here this morning. I'm Chris. I'm one of the pastors at McKinney. And man, it is good to worship with you uh, today. It's great to have you here if you're a part of the family or uh, if you're our guest this morning. It is so good to see you. Uh, we're going to do something just a little bit out of the ordinary today. So if you are our guest this morning, we are glad you're here. In some ways, this is an out of ordinary day. In some ways, this is a really, really great day for you to be here uh, with us this morning. We've been for the last several weeks and really the last several months focused on discipleship at McKinney. We've been looking through the life of Jesus as how Jesus took a whole bunch of scrawny spiritual nobodies and developed them into guys that changed the world. And in fact, we're not done talking about discipleship. 
Next week, uh, I've got a friend that's going to be here, one of the mentors in my life. He's a 70-year-old guy that's going to talk about mentoring and discipleship and how it reflects the Trinity, and he's from New Zealand. And so let me just promise you, that's not one that you want to check out uh, and miss. You, you don't want to just roll the alarm on that one. So uh, be here for that next week. And then that's going to lead us into a series where we're going to go verse by verse through 1 John 1 and 2 and talk about what it looks like for us as disciples to walk with Jesus every moment of every day. So that's what's coming up. But after that, we're going to be in a season that I'm really, really excited about in McKinney. And that's why I want to just have us take a little bit of a parenthesis, a little bit of a timeout, and let me just show you some of what's coming as we get later on into the fall. I want you to be able to hear about it and know that it's coming. Uh, so that we can all go together and we can pray together. And I think if this is an important enough season, an exciting enough season for us to be able to take just a little bit of a parenthesis from what we normally do 51 other weeks out of the year so that you can hear what our staff and our elders believe God's calling us to as a church over the next three to five years together. Uh, so if you got a Bible this morning, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to spend most of our time today uh, unpacking how we as a church are going to apply this corporately over the next three to five years. But it's so important, I wanted to anchor it in the scripture so that you can see it. If you've been at McKinney for very long, you know that Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 13 sort of serve as true north for our church. These verses are sort of talk about what it is that we want to be about, what we've always been about. And I think it's important for us to go here so that as we get ready to talk about the next three to five years, what you can hear and what you can see is that where we're going is where we've been going as a church for a really long time. So Ephesians chapter four, the apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to a church that he'd helped plant in a town called Ephesus. First chapter of Ephesians talks about who these people and who all of us who would follow Jesus are in Christ. It talks about our identity, some of what Penny pictured just a second ago. Then Ephesians chapter 2 and 3 talk about who we used to be and what Jesus did with who we used to be to make who we are today possible. And so some of the core things that we as a church and that people as Christ followers believe are found in Ephesians chapter 1 to 3. And then Paul gets really, really practical. Beginning in chapter 4, he says, now that we know who we are, now that we know who we used to be, and now we know what Jesus has done, here's how we can live as people that want to follow Jesus. And right off the bat, he answers a question that a lot of us have sometimes when it comes to church, and why it is that all of us gather together for this sort of thing and do the thing that we're doing today. Why is it that we're here? Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Look there with me if you would. First, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 13. Paul says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. So he lists a group of gifts and a group of gifted people. And, and Paul says, These upfront people, God gave them, and he gave them for a reason. He gave them for a purpose. And Paul doesn't want us to miss the purpose. He tells us what the purpose is. Verse 12. Gave all of these upfront gifted people for this purpose to equip his people. For works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
Now, here's what I want you to notice about this passage. You ever notice that when most of us think about what's happening in this moment, in this time, in this place, that most of us, when we think about what we expect out of a church and what we expect to experience when we walk into a church, that for a whole bunch of us and for a whole bunch of us churches, we miss a whole chunk of this passage. When we show up at churches, what we expect and a lot of times what we experience is as if Paul had written these verses and said, here's why God gave all of the upfront people. He gave all of the upfront people, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to do the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ could be built up. So we all attained a unity of the faith and fullness and maturity. So he gave these upfront people all of their gifts to build up the body. But you notice that misses a whole part of what Paul says. It misses a whole part of the purpose. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, God gave all of the upfront people to equip God's people to do the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. That God gave the upfront gifted people for a purpose. It's not just for everybody to show up and watch one guy have great ministry and build up a church and help people mature and bring us all to unity and one person has that responsibility. Paul says, no, 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 here's what, here's what God designed it. It's for the upfront gifted people to equip a whole bunch of people to launch them into a life of great ministry. And here's what's cool. About 60 years ago, a bunch of guys and their wife sat around in a room and looked at this verse and said, you know what? We're skipping a step. We've missed a chunk of this passage. We need a different kind of church. Not just another church. Even then, there were tons and tons of churches in Fort Worth. They said, we need a different kind of church. We need a beyond ordinary kind of church. What if we planted a church where ministry didn't just happen in the building with the steeple and the cross, where what happened in the building with the steeple and the cross was to equip people so that ministry happened in the building where the students are Monday through Friday? Where ministry happened in the building where people live and in the neighborhoods where people live, in the buildings where people work. What if we planted a beyond ordinary kind of church that equipped God's people to take the ministry and to take the message with them as they were going? And 60 years ago, out of that vision, McKinney Church was born. McKinney Church was launched as a beyond ordinary kind of church. That's why McKinney existed. That's why we'll always exist. To be a church that equips people to launch them with a ministry and a message that changes lives as we're going. So what I want to do for the next several minutes that we have together, I want to talk about some really specific ways that our elders and staff feel like God's calling us to apply this verse in the next three to five years. But before I do, I want to show you something that I think sets the tone for that. Because I think it's, it's really important for you to know. I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, McKinney Church will celebrate its 60th birthday this February. 
And what I wanna talk about and what I wanna show you in just a second, I think sets the tone for all of us to see and for all of us to understand that where we're going is where we've always been going. As a part of anticipating this 60th birthday for McKinney Church, uh, our video guy, Tony, and I traveled over to Dallas and we got the chance to sit down with Dr. Wendell Johnston. You may not know Dr. Johnston, but he was the very first full-time pastor at McKinney Church. And we just wanted to get his take on how he came to McKinney and what he was praying for, what he was thinking about, what he was dreaming about with all of those guys 60 years ago this February when they began to anticipate a different kind of church. So we sat down in his house and pushed play on the video recorder. And I said, Dr. Johnson, would you just tell us the story of how you came to McKinney? And 60 years ago this February, what you guys were dreaming that McKinney Church would be. And this is what he said. This is so cool. Check this out. I came to uh, McKinney in uh, 1956. It was the result of uh, Howard Hendricks. He said, how would you like to be pastor of what's going to be an outstanding church in Fort Worth? As I've met the people and realized that they were people who had a desire to serve the Lord, to honor the Lord, they loved each other. And one of their visions was they had purchased property out in the Wedgwood area, which was a new area at that time, just growing up out off Trail Lake in Woodway. And we went out to see the property, and Martha and I were impressed that these people, a small group of people, would put money down on a piece of property and trust the Lord to help them build a church there. Because most of the Bible churches back in that day often look for property in older communities and inexpensive property and just a place to meet. But here were people who were looking beyond that. They wanted to make an impact. They wanted to do something that was different. The building was finished like at the end of July. So we had a vacation Bible school in the first of August. And you know, it caught on. The parents were happy to see that we were doing this and we had a good number of people from the community came in and that's the way we started to get people into the, from the community. I tell people we were seeker friendly long before it was popular because we didn't push membership. We pushed the Lord Jesus Christ and serving him, studying the Bible. We had these Bible studies going not only in our community, but in the downtown area. We were getting involved in the community. We were part of the community. And I think that's what helped our, our growth. People realized that we had something that they wanted. We ultimately wanted to make an impact in the city. What I saw in the people, uh, the, the early church of McKinney, was that they we're following the admonition that Paul, when he wrote his epistle to Titus, he said, I want you to make the truth of God attractive. We had a group of people who literally adorned the doctrine of God. They reflected it in their life, the way they lived. I realized that this church is going to have a place in the city of Fort Worth, which it has had and it continues to have. Isn't that incredible? 
And how often do you get to say that you're a part of something that began with a dream and a vision and a hope of people 60 years ago and it's still on point? It's still chasing the same thing. See, 60 years ago this February, a group of people said, you know what, what if we planted a beyond ordinary kind of church to develop beyond ordinary kind of people for beyond ordinary impact, the glory of a beyond ordinary God? What if we planted a church where it wasn't just about showing up and watching a spiritual hero do his thing? But if the gifted guy showed up with a heart to develop a whole bunch of spiritual heroes that took the message and the ministry with them wherever it is that they went. And if you look back over the last 60 years at McKinney Church, you see that our past is littered with spiritual heroes. Guys like Howard Hendricks, Dr. Johnston, who went on to serve as a vice president at Dallas Theological Seminary. Guys like Ron Hall, Denver Moore, Do you realize that Pine Cove camps were birthed out of the vision of a person that was connected at McKinney Church, a spiritual hero? It's not just people that were a part of our history. It's some of the people that you're sitting around today. People throughout history like Imogen Helm, who loved kids, loved families, People like Rita Keir, who loved to pray. People like Tom Wilson, who loves students. Bill Craftson, who loves to share the message with people who have hard questions about spiritual faith. Even people that give up an hour every single week to go sit across from a student at West Cliff or South Hills Elementary and be a spiritual hero for those kids. It's not just a part of our past. It's a part of our DNA. It's a part of who we are. This fall, starting September the 29th, we're going to talk a lot about being a beyond ordinary kind of church, trying to continue that legacy at McKinney. You're going to see a lot more about it. You're going to hear a lot more details as we go. But today, I want to give you a bird's eye view of where it is that we feel like God's taking us in application of Ephesians chapter 4, trying to be a church that's beyond ordinary, that equips God's people and launches them in a ministry, wherever it is that they go. When we get to talking about beyond ordinary, really what it comes down to is being beyond ordinary in two big ways. First is that we want to be a church that launches the next generation. If you're on Facebook, I don't know if you've noticed this trend in the last uh, several months of research and studies and information that's coming out about millennials that are starting to drift away from church. Uh, They're alarming. There's some statistics in there that will really catch your breath as you start to look at what those are. But those statistics and those trends, they're not new. They're things that our staff and our elders have been studying and thinking about and praying about for a really significant amount of time because we've seen this challenge coming. And when it comes down to this problem, and the problem in short, if you're not familiar with the problem, is this. uh, We're raising a generation of kids that when they graduate from high school and go away to college, most of them drift away from the church. And some of them drift back once they have their first kid or two, but a whole bunch of them don't. And as we've studied and we've researched and we've thought and we've planned, we want to be a church that reverses that trend. And really what it comes down to, there are two big reasons that that happens. The first is, it is incredibly hard to be a parent. 
the, the rise of information and the access of information makes all of the responsibility the parent has and the information that a parent has to act on in order to raise a kid extraordinarily difficult. Just for fun, I pulled up Facebook this morning and just thought, okay, what's the information that's out there that says how I need to be a better parent today? And on just that one news feed today, I saw information about what kind of diet I need to make sure my kids are on in order to make them heart healthy and brain healthy. I saw something about how I need to discipline them, whether I should spank them or whether I shouldn't. I saw a discussion about how I should school them, whether I should put them in private school or public school or homeschool or charter school or college prep school. There's all kinds of information out there. There's information uh, about what kind of friends they should hang around with, when they should start sports, how long they should do sports, what sports should they do. There is all kinds of information about how to be a parent, and it's overwhelming. Because not only are you just trying to make it, now you've got information at your fingertips that says you have a responsibility for how your kids turn out in all of these different ways. And it's overwhelming to be a mom or a dad. And so then when we start talking about discipling your kids, there are a whole lot of moms and dads that say, yeah, yeah, I'd love to raise my kid up in church. I'd love to raise my kid up in the faith. I'd love to launch my kid in the next generation. But the truth is I'm not trained. I don't have that information. I don't know how to do it. And if I can outsource it to someone who can, that's what I'm going to do. And so for a whole lot of churches, we've skipped a step in Ephesians chapter 4. We've said, you know what? We'll train people. We'll do it for you. You just outsource the parenting of your kids to us. Bring them here. Drop them off. We'll train them up and launch them out. The problem is what happens is we get kids that graduate from high school, and they go off to college, and they look around and say, you know, faith and Jesus, that was important to my church. But my mom and dad never really talked about it. And they begin to drift. So we want to be a church that corrects that. That at least insofar as the kids that we launch from this place, that we're launching the next generation of spiritual heroes. And part of that for us is a resource that we're in the process of developing. You saw just a tiny, tiny, tiny slice of it this morning. It's called the Everyday Parent. What we want to do as a church is resource moms and dads to be parents who disciple their kids every day. And what we're not talking about is the kind of discipling where dad, after dinner, calls all the kids into the family room, and he sits down with the family, and for 45 minutes he preaches, then mom leads the singing on the piano, and everybody sings kumbaya, and they do it every single week. Right? Nobody does that. Well, maybe a couple of you do that. Most of us don't do that. We're overwhelmed with what it would look like for us to disciple our kids, and yet that's what pops into our head. What we want to do is to give you a resource, not a program. It's not something that we're going to do for you. It's a resource that we want to give you to try to make that kind of thing simple and accessible and fun for you and your kids. So the first taste of that you're going to get today is that email with some table talk kind of questions, some ideas for times that you can have some spiritual touch points with your kid every single day that leverages places and times that you're already with them. When you're traveling in the car, when you're sitting down at the table right before bedtime, where we're going to be able to push you information that makes each step of discipling your kids as simple as it can possibly be so that you, whatever your spiritual background is, whatever your pedigree, whatever your knowledge level, whatever information you bring into it can do it, you, you can disciple your kids. We're going to try to make that easy. But it's not just about pushing stuff. Coming this, later this next year, uh, part of what we're going to provide as a part of Everyday Parent is a website and an app called The Everyday Parent that will allow you to also pull information information. At times, you know, that all parents have where it's a need-to-know, need-to-grow moment, and there ain't nobody to call. 
and it's two o'clock in the morning and the pet dies and suddenly you're forced to be a theologian with your kid about what happens to dogs when they die, do they go to heaven and you need some help and there isn't anybody there to help you? This website, this app will allow you to pull information that will allow you to be able to lean into those conversations with your kids. We don't want you to outsource those important conversations. We want to help you have them. When your kid starts asking questions about Jesus and what it looks like for him or her to have a forever friendship with God, we want you to be able to have that conversation. We don't want somebody on our staff to rob you of the ability to have that conversation with your kid so that you can be equipped to do the work of the ministry in your house. We want to come alongside you. We want to support you so that you can be a part of showing your kids every day that Jesus is important to you and pouring into their life as a parent who parents every day. It's part one of this launching this next generation. The other reason that we find that students are drifting is part of some of our philosophy over the last hundred years as a church. We've really emphasized as churches for the last hundred years the importance of age-specific worship environments and age-specific teaching for teenagers. And that, we were right to emphasize that. That's important stuff. Teenagers are walking through issues, navigating decisions, making decisions, and, and thinking about things that they need some specific guidance and help. They're doing things differently than everybody else has ever done it. And we need to provide some age-specific resource environments for them to be able to worship, for them to be able to be taught at a level in language that they understand and that they gravitate to. But one of the inadvertent shadow sides of what we've done over the last hundred years is that we've accidentally com communicated to a whole lot of students, this thing that happens over here, this thing is for you, it's relevant for you. This thing that happens over there with everybody else, that's not for you. That's not relevant to you. That's not important to you. They're not talking about you. That's not the kind of thing that you would be interested in. That's not something that you're a part of. Come be a part of this thing over here that's relevant to you. And what happens is a whole lot of students grow up in that kind of environment and we launch them to college and they walk into a church and look around and say, okay, where do I play the games? And what they hear is, no, 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 that thing that wasn't relevant, it's suddenly gotta be relevant. That thing that wasn't for you, it's suddenly gotta be for you. That thing you were never a part of, you were never connected to, suddenly you gotta connect to and you gotta make it work. We have a whole lot of students go away to college and say, nah. So part of what we want to do, and, and actually at McKinney, we've got an edited little architectural element that makes that really challenging for us to communicate something different to students. And that's that our student ministry building is a block and a half away. So think about this if you're a parent of a sixth grade girl. And you show up to McKinney for the very first time and say, you know what, um, I've got a sixth grade girl that, that I'm hoping you'll give some of these age-specific teaching to and, and then connect her back with us. And what we have to tell them, these really kind, sweet people out at the Welcome Center, look them in the eye and say, okay, here's the way that works at McKinney. If you'll take your sixth grade girl and walk her out those doors, there's a tram out there. Put her on the tram. We're going to take her to an undisclosed location. And most of the time, she's going to come back better than she left. And for a whole lot of moms and dads that we want to partner with and launch in the next generation, those moms and dads say, okay, well, you either weren't expecting me or you're talking to people that are a whole lot different from me because there is no way I'm putting a sixth grader on that kind of tram. So as a church, we've got to fix that. So part of what we're going after as a part of this Beyond Ordinary Vision is bringing a student ministry building that's over on site. 
and connecting it with our space. You may remember if you've been a part of McKinney for very long, we had a master plan that had a $6.5 million student ministry building uh, that was across the parking lot between our church and the synagogue across the street. Um, and, and part of what our vision, part of what our desire, and especially in part of some of these things that we've studied, we just feel like we need to do better than that. What we don't wanna do is relegate our student ministry as a church to the perpetual kids table. We wanna send a message. We wanna to communicate to students. You guys have something to contribute to us. You have something that you can bring to the table to connect as a part of the overall body. You're not just a part of the future of the church. You're a part of the church today. And we wanna show you that. We want you to see that. And we want you to live in it because we also believe we got something to contribute to you. So we wanna bring a student ministry facility that's on site, that's connected with the overall building uh, so that we can be a part of connecting students to the overall body, creating compelling environments where we don't have to sacrifice age-specific teaching, where we don't have to compromise age-specific worship, but we also don't have to compromise connectedness. And students can be a part of what God's doing here, a part of the body engaged so that when they go away to college, we've changed the question. When they walk in, they don't walk into the church saying, okay, what's there for me? They walk into a church saying, how do I serve? How can I connect? Because I've always been a part of this. So why am I here? We wanna change the question for students. Part of this beyond ordinary vision is to continue what we started in children's ministry, not architecturally, but to be able to set the pace for what children are gonna experience when they walk into some of these classrooms, to continue to create a compelling environment that kids say, that's the kind of place I wanna be and where moms and dads say they know something about children. They know something about families like us, and they're gonna partner with us and walk with us in launching the next generation. Our hope with the architectural elements in this thing is to be able to break ground in January so that we would move in about a year from this January, January of 2015. Um, there's a lot involved in that, and we'll talk more about it as we get in the, hall, in the fall, but that's part of what our hope is. But really what our hope is, it's not about a building, it's about a value, and our value is this. We don't just want the history of McKinney Church to be littered with spiritual heroes. We wanna be proactive and strategic in making sure that we launch the next generation of spiritual heroes that, so that spiritual heroes litter the future of this place. We wanna launch the next generation. That's part one of this beyond ordinary thing. The second piece, not gonna be a surprise to you. We wanna launch the next generation and we wanna love next door. If you've been a part of McKinney Church for 60 years, that's not a surprise to you. Because you heard Dr. Johnston say that's why McKinney chose its very first building where it did because we wanted to be not just a place where people could meet. We wanted to be a place where people could launch and love their neighbors next door. Dr. Johnston tells a story, and we didn't show it on here, but he tells this story about um, going and walking around the neighborhood praying that God would use the people at McKinney to be equipped and launch and to make a difference in these lives of these people. And one of the houses that he walked by was a, a lady that walked out to get her mail every time he was walking by and praying and she looked like she just walked out of Neiman Marcus. And he began to learn her name and visit with her and he began to pray for her by name that McKinney would be the kind of church where people were launched to make a difference in the lives of people just like Mrs. Leggett. And Mrs. Leggett was on my nursing home visit last week. She and her husband trusted Christ as a part of a church that was planted for the sake of loving next door. That's what we want to be about. There's th three or four big ways that we want to go after that, big rock kind of things. One, in the next three to five years, 
We want to launch a community group or a missional community in every single neighborhood in Southwest Fort Worth. Now, McKinney, we got lots of ministry stuff going on. We got lots of adult ministry, even adult ministry that some of you have been a part of this morning that's going well. But one of the reasons that we emphasize community groups so much is that it's portable. We can take it with us. It's scalable. We don't have to keep building expensive buildings for us to be able to do discipleship that way. But the third big thing is it's working. Remember at the beginning of the year we did life signs? You had a conversation with your heavenly father that was totally confidential, and it was totally confidential. If you put anything on there, any of those open-ended questions, it went into the wild blue yonder. Nobody ever saw that. It was totally divorced from your name. Nobody could ever find any of that. But if you clicked a number, that all went into a huge vat, and all of that macro data came back to us. And here's what we found about community groups. People that are involved in community groups score on 47 out of 51 life signs higher than people that are involved in any other ministry in the church. And we cross-compared it for a whole lot of different things. That means that when you're in a community group, 47 out of 51 things, you got a chance at lining up higher. Better families, better marriages, more involved in the community, growing at a faster rate, involved in a constant communication and connection with Jesus. And we as a church want to export that. Our hope is that in three to five years, we've got a community group or a missional community in every single neighborhood in Southwest Fort Worth that nobody within a five-mile radius or in Southwest Fort Worth would have to walk to get in a car to find a group of people whose stated goal was to love God with all their heart and to love their neighbor as their self. It's part of that three to five-year goal. We want to love our neighbors really well. Second part of that, uh, I think, is really exciting. You're going to have some questions that we'll answer about it. We've got some questions that we're going to answer about it as we go. One of the things that you hear us talk a lot about when it comes to loving next door, you hear us talk a whole lot about what God's doing at South Hills and at West Cliff Elementary Schools. Because God's given us some favor in the eyes of some students, and we've, through Kids Hope USA and Good News Clubs, we are literally seeing hundreds of students trusting Christ as a part of people that are investing an hour or so every single week to pour into the lives of these kids. And it's turned from, for McKinney Church being an opportunity to being a responsibility for us. Because one of the things that we've noticed, and we've done all kinds of research, is there's not a place within those neighborhoods for us to be able to plug those children in to be able to disciple them and disciple their parents because most of the students that are involved in those schools don't speak English. And there's a language barrier that we have in our inability to be able to pour into the lives of those families We just can't reach into them. So one of the things that we feel like God's calling us to in the next three to five years is to plant a beyond ordinary church, a church that speaks Spanish so that we can plug in students and families that God's given us a responsibility over that are our neighbors that we love. And it's gonna be a beyond ordinary kind of thing. Uh, We got a lot of plans. We got a lot of ideas. We got a lot of thoughts of what it would look like for us to plant this kind of church. But here's the thing that all of us know and that you probably know. That's that we have gringo disease. We have ideas, we have thoughts of what it would look like for us to reach a culture, for us to pour into lives, for us to shepherd families, and for us to launch a next generation of Spanish speakers and Spanish-speaking families that are here. But one of the things that we realize is that we don't have the kind of knowledge that we need in order to make an impact. So step number one for us in that will be hiring a Spanish-speaking church planter. And we're going to hold that vision with an open hand as a church because we're going to let him reach into that community and into that culture and to be giving us information on what it looks like for us to develop a church, to plant a church that makes a difference in a different culture that's literally right across the street. 
Part of our ideas, part of our thinking involves this next piece of loving next door, but one of the things that you'll have to know is that when we get ready to pull a student ministry building over on that side, it's gonna impact our current chapel, uh, which is actually a good thing. That's one of the things when we built this building 10 years ago uh, that everybody looked at and said, yeah, that was a big miss. Because the whole idea was to be able to have a place where people could have special events like weddings and funerals that were smaller that would get swallowed by this room. And yet when we built that space, we built it to seat about 120 people, which is way too small for most of the weddings and funerals that we get a chance to do for some of you and your families and your neighbors. And so this is going to give us a chance at a mulligan to build a chapel that's more effective, that's more efficient. But you also know about McKinney, and if you've been at McKinney for very long, you know that we're not a church that's just about building buildings that are expensive and that sit vacant most of the time. So what this chapel will give us the ability to do as a church is not only host events for these special moments like weddings and funerals, it'll also give us a chance for a couple of different things. One is future service times. McKinney's growing, and if McKinney continues to grow like McKinney's growing right now before too long, we're gonna have to start adding some other services. But most of the time when you start a new service, that service starts with one or 200 people, and it grows from there. And if you put one or 200 people in this room, this room will swallow it whole but a chapel with seating capacity for about 300 will give us a chance to launch some new services at maybe even some non-traditional times to allow us to reach people that nobody else is reaching as a beyond ordinary church. But here's the other piece of that. That space will also provide us an incredible place for a Spanish-speaking church to launch on Sunday mornings. Our current chapel, we've got some adult Bible fellowships that meet in there. We've anticipated that. We're going to create some space for them to continue to do what they do in a, uh, in a way that they're actually, I think, will be more effective for their space. And so that space on Sunday morning will provide a place where we can plant a Spanish-speaking church on Sunday mornings during a traditional time. Because what we don't want to do is to communicate to a group of people that we love, that we're trying to love as, as neighbors, hey, you can use our building, you just got to use it as a lousy time. What we want to communicate is, no, 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 we want to be a part of this thing together. And for as long as you need, as long as it takes for you to feel prepared to launch, how about this? What if you met on our campus at a standard time on a Sunday morning and we planted a church on this location at a standard time on Sunday morning? And not only that, and we're in the process of, of, of allowing that church plant to, to grow and, and for it to continue to become self-sustaining. What that church could do is to plant as a church on a Sunday morning at a traditional time that doesn't have to have a children's ministry or student ministry because the children that they're raising already have established credibility at McKinney. They speak English. And they could be a part of a children's ministry and a student ministry that are trying to launch the next generation alongside their parents who are worshiping right down the hall. And we're gonna hold that with an open hand. Those are some of the opportunities of what God's going to allow us to do in the next several years. Last piece of loving next door is this. We want to try to create a compelling environment that says to anyone who comes in, we were expecting you, and we're really glad you're here. Think about this. Your house, I don't know if you've thought about it. Your house tells a story. You ever thought about that? And I could walk into any of your house when you're not home. I wouldn't, but I could. You walk into your house with nobody there, and without anybody saying a word, I could tell you a whole lot about your family. I could tell you a whole lot about who you are, and what you value, and what you believe in. And if I gave you a little bit of advance warning and told you that I was going to show up, I could tell you something about what you thought of me by the state I found your house in when you showed up. Well, churches are a whole lot the same way. When you walk in, you find a value. Uh, buildings communicate a story. Environments tell a story. One of the huge challenges that we've got as a church these days 
is that if a person comes in that's not familiar with our story, we communicate a message that we don't want to communicate. I mean, I'll give you a silly illustration. A person comes in as a guest, you bring your neighbor, or you bring a friend, you're going to meet them in the foyer and they show up, but they've got a kind of an awkward question they need to ask that they really don't want to ask because they walk in these front doors and they've got to go to the bathroom. That's not really the first impression that you want to make when you walk into a church and your very first question is, where's the bathroom? And yet if they don't ask the question, they're never going to find it because when they walk in those doors, it's behind them. And we don't have anything that tells them that. One of the things that we can do in order to communicate value that we were expecting people and that we're glad that they're here is to make it easy to navigate our building and easy to navigate our story from the moment you walk into our campus. And we want to be a church that does that. So that involves signage and graphics to be able to help people know the story and how to get around. But it also involves some stuff in here. Uh, I don't know. I don't, some of you have thought of this. Some of you haven't. I took a little poll in the first hour, and it went okay. So we'll see how it goes this hour. And um, If you were watching, if you are watching the exact same television as your primary television that you watched 10 years ago today, would you raise your hand? Same exact television that you were watching 10 years ago today. Isn't that incredible? Maybe 20 of us? Some of you got high definition in your bathroom. <laughs> Yet when you walk into this building, it tells a story. We don't even have, we don't have high definition. We don't even have standard definition. We got low definition. Look at that. I mean, you can see when you walk in, there are hot spots and blurry spots. There, there's a little water droplet. Those show up from time to time when it's really humid uh, at McKinney. We got to fix that. Anybody notice that there are some challenges with our sound system right now? Um, sometimes it feels too loud. Sometimes it feels too soft. What you might not know is that as you walk through this building in different places and different seats, uh, there's as much as a six decibel difference from one seat to another. That's why on the very same Sunday, a lot of times I get emails from some of you saying, Freeland, you've got to turn it down, man. And others of you saying, I couldn't hear a single thing that was sung. Uh, so we've got to fix that because that communicates something. And yet not so that we could be a church that has bells and whistles. Not so that we can be a church that gets flashy. I don't know if, if you've ever heard these stories. But McKinney has always been the pace setter when it comes to technology in Fort Worth. 60 years ago, the, the thing that got Dr. Johnston hate mail and then Paul Young, who came a little bit later after that, the reason they got hate mail is because they took one of these contraptions called an overhead projector and put it up on the stage. And it shot stuff up onto a screen and they collected hate mail from people saying, how dare you take technology like that? Are you just trying to be gimmicky? Are you just trying to be flashy? And their answer was, no, 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 no. We're trying to communicate a message that sticks. We want a message that's sticky and transferable and portable because we're not just about people coming in here. We're about launching people out there. And when they go, we want the message to stick with them. When we moved into this building 10 years ago, these screens, these dimensions, this kind of screen was totally unheard of in churches. There were churches that were leveraging technology different than McKinney ever had that would take these long road trips to come over to McKinney and see these screens, how incredible they were 10 years ago because nobody was doing ministry like that. And we didn't do it because we wanted to be flashy. We didn't want to do it because we wanted to be gimmicky. We didn't do it because we wanted to be cool. We did it because we believed that the gospel and the word of God was important and it was worth communicating in creative, relevant ways so that it sticks and it goes with people wherever it is that they go. And that's the same reason we've got to get better. We've got to continue to improve. 
And we're going to do that. Um, you'll have lots of questions. There's lots of information uh, that's going to be available. In fact, when you get ready to walk out today, we'll hand you just a little thing that's a prayer reminder for you that also asks, answers a couple of your questions about all of this. Um, and, and if you've got some questions about bricks and mortar and what all of this is going to look like, there's a chance for you on September the 10th to be a part of a Q&A right before churchwide prayer, to show up and, and see some of that bricks and mortar stuff, because part of our hope is to have all of the questions answered about bricks and mortar before September 29th, so that when we get to September 29th and we start talking about being a beyond ordinary church, we can talk about visions and values and discipleship and not bricks and mortar. So there are opportunities for that. Here's a question that you're asking, and we'll close our service. Uh, what's this thing going to cost? What kind of vision are we talking about here? Because you heard me say earlier on, we had a $6.5 million student ministry as a part of the master plan that was across the, the deal. So some of you are starting to add things in your head. 6.5 plus whatever that website costs for the everyday parent, plus some stuff in here to make this environment accessible and screens and video. Are we talking about something really, really crazy? And is this going to be one of those situations where our arms are going to be behind our back for the next three or four years with you twisting our arm and always talking about money? Well, uh, let me tell you a couple of things. One, I'm really excited because I told you about that project over there as a part of the master plan that said $6.5 million. Well, we got a staff that is, and, and elders that are trying to be really wise and strategic and incredible stewards because we realize that anything anybody gives to McKinney is a sacrifice for them that we're accountable for and we want to use it really wisely. So we're not into doing all of this stuff on the expensive for the sake of spending money. And as we've looked at all of those pieces of loving next door and launching the next generation, the price tag on everything that we're going to talk about is $6.5 million for everything that we've talked about. But here's what that means. That means it is going to be a vision stretch for us. That's a big number. It's a strategic number. It's a wise number, but it's a big number. And yet what we are not talking about is spending the next several months strong-arming people for money. That's what you're worried about. That's what's coming. Here we go. We're talking about vision, but what he's really talking about is getting in my bank account. Because a lot of churches, what happens is we talk about how God loves a cheerful giver when we don't need money, but when we need money for a building, all of a sudden, we don't really care how you get it here. Just get it here. But if you know me and you know McKinney Church, you know that's not the way we work. And that's not what we're trying to do. So in some senses, if you're asking the question, great, are we going to spend the rest of this thing talking about money? You can just rest assured the answer is no. But... I hope a whole lot of you were saying, man, I hope he talks about money. Here's why, because you know what Jesus says, that your heart follows your money, that the way that you give is a reflection of discipleship. It's a reflection of who you're following and what you love and what you hold dear and what you're worshiping. And so in some respects, to be able to be a part of something beyond ordinary that God's doing is an opportunity for you to follow him. And we're going to invite you to do that. We're not going to be shy about that. The other piece of it beyond just discipleship is it's an investment. I've got a friend uh, that is a president of a bank. She started a bank not that long ago and invited a whole bunch of other friends to show up and invest their money. And she was really strategic in talking to them about their money and their investment in this bank. And uh, she didn't invite me. And the bank blew up. And the bank sold. And the people that were the original investors in that vision and in that bank have gotten filthy, stinking rich. And I'm on the outside looking in. And I gotta tell you, I'm just a little bit tweaked. Because she didn't love me enough to invite me to be a part of the circle and talk to me about my money. So what I'm going to give you in the next several months is an opportunity to be an investor. I want to invite you into the conversation. You're all invited. Because I believe God's up to something incredible. He's not up to something that's new, but he's up to something incredible that we're going to all get to be a part of.
together as a beyond ordinary church trying to equip God's people to do the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ by launching the next generation and loving next door. And we're gonna chase it hard for the next three to five years. We are gonna continue our worship service here uh, through a time of giving. And I mean what I say. If you're here this morning, you think, okay, here it comes. You're feeling guilty or compelled to give. I want you to feel the freedom to just pass that right by. That's not gonna be our vision then. It's not gonna be our vision now. But if you'd say, you know what? I really believe that thing that Jesus said and I wanna follow him and I can do it cheerfully. I can do it excitedly. I can do it because I believe I'm following him in this and this is an area that he's moving at McKinney Church in all kinds of different areas. I wanna encourage you to be a part of it because God does love a cheerful giver. God has given us extraordinary gifts to be able as an act of worship to reflect who he is as the ultimate giver who gave an extraordinary sacrifice so that you and I could be equipped to do the work of his ministry for the building up of his body till we all come to unity the faith, fullness of the knowledge of the Son of God as mature people, Christ-centered people who make a difference. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Doxology Bible Church podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you're ever in the Fort Worth area, we'd love to worship with you in person at one of our services. For more information on service times and location, visit doxology.church.